Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. I'm your host, William Blue. This is the Canada Basketball Reaction Podcast. Uh, continue to cover the Canadian men's team at the FIBA World Cup. And uh, yeah, great news. Canada advances once again. They get into the semifinal, uh, which, by the way, will be at 4.45 a.m. Eastern uh, on Friday. So I don't even know. Do you do you stay up all night to watch it or do you ruin your whole night's worth of sleep to wake up at 4.45 all groggy to watch it? Neither option is particularly ideal. But listen, um, Canada is through. And yeah, they they beat Slovenia. They beat Luka Doncic of Slovenia by a score of 100 to 89. I got to say, like, first off, watching Canada basketball without the stress of are they going to make the Olympics it is, is a great feeling. Like, it, it feels, um, yeah, it's just a lot more fun. Honestly, it's just a lot, lot more fun to to watch um, in that kind of fashion without sort of that lingering fear in your mind and I don't know if I'm just projecting onto the players, but I, I feel like the players played like that too. Like there was a freedom um, to this game and they floated and look, there were some ugly moments, you know, it, it got very strange in the fourth quarter when Luka Doncic got ejected right after Dylan Brooks got ejected. And at least with Luka, we saw him complain to the referees. All we saw Dylan do was hit a three and then talk some, some trash. Like, okay. All right. I don't know if you got to get ejected off talking some trash, but um, there were some ugly moments, but for the most part, I thought Canada played really calm, really smart basketball, really together. And they were very confident in a couple of things. Uh, number one, um, nobody could stop Shea. Like, listen, nobody could really stop Luca, and Luca did his damage. And, you know, Luca's Luca, right? Like, I mean, what did he have today? Hold on. Luca had, before he got ejected, uh, 26 points, five, you know, assists, four rebounds. Like, Luca's great, right? Luca is great. He did all that in 29 minutes, by the way. But, um, it just felt like no one on Slovenia can guard Shea. And look, it's not a fully fair fight in the sense that like Luca is going against all NBA defenders and Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort the whole game, right? And meanwhile, Slovenia is guarding Shea with guys that mostly you haven't heard of um, and mostly that uh, they couldn't really do much with. But listen, I mean, like, I was a little surprised by the way Slovenia wanted to guard Shea. Like, I thought Shea would see more double teams, and he did see some. I thought that Shea would see more zone, which pretty much only happened for Slovenia it, uh, against Shea in the fourth quarter. Um, but, yeah, like, they just, there wasn't that much creativity even from Slovenia, which was kind of what you need to do if you're going to make up for the fact that you don't have a natural on-ball option to guard Shea. So, uh I felt very confident in Shea's ability to get his, but I also like Shea's willingness to share the ball today uh, and also just the whole team playing really well in terms of moving the ball around. Um, they shot the three a lot better. Um, they've been really cold on threes uh, in, in the Brazil game. It cost them in the Spain game and nearly cost them. Um, but today they shoot 11 to 30 from three and then they were shooting well above 40% until they brick like four straight threes at the end there, um, which didn't even matter. The game was over, but I think that was a product of really good ball movement. Guys sharing it. RJ Barrett played a lot better. Although when you look at the final box score, he has 24 points on 22 shots. You know, honestly, it doesn't even bother me. I thought RJ played a lot better. This is probably his best game of the tournament, and it came at a very important time. Um, and yeah, it's just overall, I thought Canada played much more free, much more together. And, you know, even though it was a tie game, even though early in the game, Slovenia you know, even took the lead a couple of times, mostly because of the fact that they just kept hitting these super deep threes. I'm like, all right, cool. Like if they're going to hit all these like super deep threes, 
in addition to their Luka Magic, like, you know, you're probably not going to win. But at the same time, like, they're probably going to have to hit 20 of these super deep threes because Canada is just going to play great. And the one thing I've noticed about Slovenia, just watching them over the course of this tournament, because they, they haven't really been this dominant force, even with Luka there. And Luka, by the way, himself hasn't really been dominant. But, you know, for example, the last game against Germany, where Slovenia took a huge lead early on, mostly because they hit a bunch of threes, and also Luka's great. But then by the end of the game, Germany won that one by like 30 points. And the reason for that, I think, is Slovenia has no rim protection at all. Like, <laughs> I know they're complaining about the foul calls and all that kind of stuff. And listen, Canada shot 33 foul shots and Slovenia shot 19, right? And and it's they have Luka, we have Shea, so maybe that equals out. Um, but, you know, still, I, I think, you know, they're, they have some complaints. At least I have some statistical basis for their complaints. But, like, fouls are not created equal. Fouls are opportunities where your defense gets beat or you can't guard your man. And so many times I thought for Canada, they can get into the paint anytime they want. Not only with their ball movement, but, like, nobody on Slovenia is really contesting a shot uh, and blocking your shot. Nobody on Slovenia has that kind of size to really, you know, deter what Canada wanted to do down low. Even some of their bigger players, like a Mike Toby, they're not really... Um, good at defense <laughs> i don't know what to say they're not like fast enough to move their feet on the perimeter and they're not really threats to jump at the rim i mean i guess they try to stack the lane with some charges i mean a lot of those charges went canada's way in terms of they were called blocks but like honestly a lot of times they weren't really in position and when you're asking guys like luca to be like okay we're gonna ask luca to rotate over it and, and, and get there in time for charges like yeah i mean you know i mean luca's reputation can get him the call but most of the time he's just late because that's not his specialty either. So it just felt like Canada go to the rim anytime they wanted. And so, yeah, in the first half, it was tied 50-50 um, between the two sides. And Slovenia was absurdly hot. I think they were like one point, like 9-13 from three. I'm like, all right, cool. But Canada wasn't giving up like the threes where, you know, Luka draws in three defenders and then kicks out and it's a wide open corner through with no one around them. Like those are the kind of threes where it's like, all right, if you keep allowing that to go on, like that's probably going to kill you in the end. But a lot of these threes were like, you know, at the top, maybe three, four steps behind the three-point line, uh, which is shorter than the NBA line. But still, like, you know, deep threes from the top of the floor, like, you got to live with those. And over the course of the game, it just felt like Slovenia got worse and worse of them. Also, they just kind of ran out of steam. Like, a lot of it is Luka dribbling the ball. And I feel like the advantage favors the defense in this case because early in the game, you know, Luka obviously had a very – clear strategy as to how to, he wanted to attack, right? You know, he had Dylan Brooks on him. He wanted to bring up the screen to attack a bigs on switch. I thought, honestly, if I were Luka or if I were Slovenia, I'd be looking to attack Kelly Olenek, but he inside, uh, decided to attack Dwight Powell. Now, I'm sure that, I mean, he scored over Dwight Powell, so it's not like it's necessarily a weakness, but like, I mean, just... Powell is a better defender than, than than Kelly. And it was weird that he didn't target Kelly for most of the game. They didn't target Shea for most of the game. Like, if you wanted to rack up some fouls, you probably wanted to get the switch on to SGA instead. They just kept wanting to get the switch against Powell. Now, I'm sure Luka is very familiar with Dwight Powell, given the fact that they've been teammates in Dallas pretty much ever since Luka's coming into the league. So he probably knows over the course of practices that they've done in Dallas, like, yeah, I could score over, you know, uh, Dwight Powell anytime I want. I know what his tendencies are, but listen, Dwight Powell is a decent defender, especially on switches. That's his best trait, I would say, is his switchability on defense overall in his game. Okay, fine. You want to attack him over and over again. It's going to cost you. It's going to be a lot of energy for you. And yes, Luka was scoring early on, but as the game went on, you just saw his frustration build and build and build. And I mean, 
you know, again, I, I could see it. Like, obviously, Luca takes a lot of contact. Obviously, you know, Luca's used to the NBA official kind of whistle, which I think is um, maybe not even like looser or, t- or, 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 or tighter. It's just kind of like maybe more consistent or maybe called in a different way where it's like you got these little body bumps and you're just going to get the foul call each time. And you just didn't see that from these people referees. I mean, Luca picked up attack early in, in the second quarter. Um, and I wasn't too surprised. I mean, like Luca, I think what led the league in techs in the NBA this past season, he's definitely somebody who puts a lot of pressure on the refs. And even after getting that tech, Luca was then, you know, according to, um, uh, DeMontis Urbanus, who has been on this podcast previously, a really great reporter in Europe. He's been covering, um, the FIBA world cup for basket news. And also his podcast is great, by the way, if you really just want like a daily recap of like everything that's going on in the world cup, I cannot uh, recommend the Arbonas podcast enough. That's uh, U-R-B-O-N-A-S. Um, yeah, his his group has done a really great job with it. Um, and But yeah, I mean, you know, DeMontis is there on the ground. Oh, Donatas, sorry. Donatas Arbonas. Um, and he was reporting that Luca was even yelling at his, at his coach. And I was like, what is he yelling at his coach about? He's yelling at his coach and getting on his coach because his coach wasn't yelling enough at the referees. Because after he took a tech, he was like, I need you to now complain for me. It's kind of amazing. And so over the course of the game, you see that frustration build. There's one point where RJ missed, I think, a, maybe a driving layup and then kind of swiped for the ball after Luca got the rebound and whatever. It's just a loose ball foul. Um, but it, I'm sure it was frustrating for Luca because RJ knocked him over and Luca fell on the ground. And he kind of fell on his left elbow, which was already taped up. And so you can see him wincing a little bit. You can see, I'm sure that would add to the frustration of the game, in addition to the fact that he's literally just fighting uphill all the time. I mean, Slovenia, all due respect to them, you know, what, a country of 2 million, the fact that they even have this, you know, caliber of team and the fact that they were even alive in contention for uh, the tournament this late, in the, you know, they don't even have other notable players, right? I mean, their notable players are like Goran Dragic, who's not here, and also he's fairly old at this point. So... Luca is always fighting uphill with this group, but you can just see the frustration build and build. And and yeah, there were moments where he looked amazing, right? There was a moment where it was like, okay, he's beating, he's holding like two defenders off and he's getting into the lane and he he finds like a beautiful pass at the end for a layup or Luca hitting some step back threes, which really did feel like they all came at the right time for Slovenia just to keep the game within balance. But I don't know, man. It just didn't seem like a sustainable way to win. Like if, if Slovenia hit all those threes, like they did in the first half in the second half and they kept it close late, then maybe Luca can really then take over and give you that little final burst towards the end. I know I would be personally afraid of having to defend Luca in a close game, but I mean, at the same time, I'm not as worried because we have Shea. And the thing is like over the course of the game, will you tell me who played a better game? I'm giving it to Shea. Here's the thing with Shea. Like D makes the type of plays where, he doesn't dominate the ball as much as Luca. Now, of course, Shea has the ball a ton. I'm not trying to say that Shea doesn't have the ball. Shea has the ball a ton, right? But Shea is, I thought, A, today, he played a better team game than Luca in the sense that I thought he made some really quick, really smart passes um, in a way that I think Luca usually gets it, but Luca likes to invite the double and then kick out, which is probably the best way to get Slovenia their offense, right? But I thought Shea did a really great job with his distribution. I thought Shea one-on-one as a score. I mean, he was super efficient overall in this game. Uh, it helped that he got to the foul line, but he just kept getting to the foul line because they didn't do anything with him. But overall, Shea shot 8 of 12 from the field. That includes 7 of 8 from the from two-point range. The, the misses were, you know, him going 1 for 4 from 3. And um, 
So that alone is super efficient, but him getting to the foul line, 14 of 16 as well. Shea just kept getting into the paint. Again, one-on-one, the defensive coverage for Slovenia, I mean, they should have treated Shea the same way we treated Luka, but they didn't. They were a lot more one-on-one trying to cover him and then maybe guard him in the paint. You can't, this thing is like, you can't stop him once he's there. Like the one thing with Luka is like, okay, it feels like you can't stop some of the things, right? He's so big when he goes, you know, driving downhill and then he's got pretty good footwork. He knows how to play the angles. So it's a little bit slippery to try to get him um, to stay in front of him between his strength and his size and also his footwork or that he's hitting these step backs and it's like, what can you really do? The thing with Shea is once he gets to his spots, he's automatic. So, you know, for example, the first four shots of the game for Shea in the first quarter, all those were short turnaround mid-range jumpers and they were contested, but it doesn't matter. Once Shea gets into his zone, which is basically the free throw line and below, and it doesn't really matter if it's on, uh, on the baseline or at the top, once he gets there, that shot is automatic. It's a step back. It's a fadeaway. It's the touch on the shot is just absurd. On top of the fact that, you know, he is deceptively very, very strong. There's a play in late in the game where Shea got a step through N1, and he got Zoran Dragic up in the air, got the bump, took the bump, and then it felt like it didn't even fade him. Like, he got bumped with a, a full-grown dude jumping on him, and he still just like stepped through and it didn't even change the trajectory of his shot. And he got the bank uh, shot to go in. So he's got that strength. And then he's got that little slipperiness where, I mean, there's one of the best plays of the game was in the second half where Canada was pulling away in the third quarter. And, um, you know, Shea had gotten the rebound and he was pushing on the break. And Canada did a much better job of getting out in the break today, by the way. That's part of why RJ did really well in, in, in the offense. That's part of why everyone did really well in the offense. Um, they just got on the fast break, which is what they're really great at. But, Shea got the rebound. He's pushing the break. And this being international basketball, they're looking to take the intentional foul, right? They're, t- they're literally doing the take foul. That that was a play that came primarily from Europe as a, as a form of stopping transition. And we saw the NBA eradicate that in the last two years by uh, putting in the, the, the new call of like, you, you get the, you know, you, essentially it's a technical foul. Um, you, you get, you get the, uh, the, the foul shot and possession afterwards. And so um, you saw that uh, Canada, or you, you, you saw that that change was made in the NBA and that created even more transition opportunities. Well, in this case, it, it's still like just a regular foul. And so typically teams will try to take that take foul to stop the break. And in this case, there was a defender for Slovenia, like literally two hands trying to grasp Shea, like they're playing like, you know, flag football or something. And Shea goes behind his back to elude him and just, like, just sheds him. It's so smooth the way he's able to just, like, give you a move with every part of his body. And you have no idea which way he's going to go. Is he going forward? Is he going backwards? Is he going sideways? Like, you have no idea. But so between his legs, doesn't stop, or behind his back, doesn't stop his momentum at all. First defender just, like, rolls past him like they're playing tag. And then another defender, after he crosses half court, also comes in with a two-hander, like, just diving at him, trying to get at him. Shea eludes him as well with another crossover. And then all this time, he's actually just moving forward at the same speed, but he's got such a nice handle, so much, so many moves, that he ends up stepping through both those intentional foul attempts and gets to the rim for a layup. And that's just impressive to me, man. I thought, again, I just thought Shea was more incisive as a scorer today. And then I, I love the way he competed too, because I think if there's one thing for me with Luka, it's just like, Maybe he's just so exhausted. Maybe he's just so like emotional over the course of the game where he can't summon these kind of moments. But you see Shea, he's like quiet and like unflappable. But you can't really say that he wasn't like going all out to win this game. And I thought the sequence that kind of broke Slovenia's back in this game that ultimately won Canada 
the the game at the end because I mean even you got credit to Slovenia even after Luca got ejected and I'll get into that in a little bit and I'll, even after Dylan Brooks got ejected they actually went on like an eight one run and they cut it down to like nine points and Canada was missing opportunities all of a sudden they were missing some threes and again games get tight down the stretch and Slovenia actually made it a game with like three minutes left and the sequence here that Shea made so the first play. Canada forces the miss, and there's a long rebound. Probably it was because it was a three. Slovenia shot a lot of threes. Um, long rebound, and Shea, like, jumps and reaches up against the whole crowd to secure the rebound. Um, it, it, it was very impressive, very hotly contested rebound, and it really needed Shea, and it always lengthened the athleticism to get to that rebound, right? Wins the rebound, comes back down the other way. Shea gets it on the drive, you know, with that little up fake. Zoran Dragic jumps on him, like I mentioned earlier, and he steps through for the and one make. Now, he missed the actual foul shot, but he made the tougher actual bank shot, right? So that was huge. That was right after, I, I think, Shea set up Kelly Olenek for a wide open corner three, and Kelly could have knocked it down. That should have been the dagger, but it didn't get there. Shea instead um, is able to reset, and he gets the, the and one to drop. All right, so that pushed it from a nine-point lead to an 11-point lead. Slovenia comes back the other way, right? They get the ball into the hands of their best player at this point with Shea gone or with uh, with with Luka gone, and it's in this guy Preplich's hands. And, and he's been hot in this game. He's been hitting threes. He's been attacking switches, all that kind of stuff. He's been doing great, right? They get the ball into his hands. Um, he he isn't allowed to shoot the three. He's pressed up on, and so which is a smart thing to do. He's a really good three-point shooter. So he drives in, in instead and tries to get to the basket. And Shea, who's not on the ball, but he's on like the, the, the guy in the strong side corner, he actually makes a rotation over, makes a contest to change the shot, and it forced Pepperlich into a miss, right? Canada gets the rebound, come back the other way. They're looking to, you know, set up something nice. They do. They get another wide open three. I think maybe this time for RJ Barrett. That doesn't drop. Dwight Powell with a great tip out. Uh, and, and this opportunity goes out. Canada gets another great shot, missed it. And at this point, you know, it's kind of a scramble possession. You know, Slovenia has pretty good defenders in terms of just in the paint. And um, they're in position for the rebound. But even with two guys there, Shea's able to win the loose ball. And it wasn't even like a long rebound where it kind of just bounced in the way of the offense. It was a sh- it was a short rebound right under the basket. Shea's able to win it over two guys, corral the offensive rebound, and then, you know, get fouled going up. And, and that put him at the foul line where he made both. And that put it, I think, to a 13-point lead at that point with like two minutes left. And that was basically game over. And and even though Slovenia had a little bit of life, even though Prepolic was, you know, he drew a three-point foul. He went in for an and one. He, you know, he was knocking down some threes. Like, he was doing great over the course of this game, especially in the fourth quarter, even with Luka ejected. But even before that, too, he was hot. That sequence right there where Shea gives you a key defensive rebound, uh... A, a beautiful step through for an and one showing you the strength and, and also the touch to make that shot despite being fouled. Then he shows you uh, the defensive chops to rotate over. And that's not even in the box score. That's just him rotating over. You had to watch the game and he forces the stop. And then he wins the game on an offensive rebound, going to the foul line, making two clutch free throws. Like that's to me is like, there's a next level with his game where he's so cool, but he also is, is able to contribute on both sides where it's just like, Man, that's really impressive. Like, really, really impressive. Like, these were the two best players in this tournament um, in terms of what the best NBA pedigrees. Like, we're talking about, you know, all NBA caliber players on on uh, on Slovenia and also on Canada. And, yeah, I mean, I have to hand it to Shea. He literally outplayed Luka. And you don't understand. Like, Luka in a FIBA setting, I think, is even better than Luka in an NBA setting. But, like, man, the fact that 
you we have a player on Canada that's able to outplay literally one of the five best players in the world. Uh, you know, head to head, it's just it's just mind blowing. It's another reason why you gotta you know watch this team because it's it's they're just like Canada's never been this good. Just they've never been this good. I I know they made it to the Olympics before. I know they made some runs in the World Cup before. Um, you know, I, I'm not trying to discredit the history of other players who have committed to this program, who have played for this program. I understand that Steve Nash played for, for Team Canada, but like nobody as good as Shea has played for Team Canada, has put on a Team Canada jersey, and he's going out there every single game and he's showing it for you. Last game against Spain, same kind of deal, right? I mean, I look back on the stats, he outscored Spain in the fourth quarter, 13 to 12. Like it's stuff like that where it's special and, uh, yeah, I mean, what a what a pleasure it's been to root for Shea over the course of this tournament. And he was obviously the best player in the game today uh, for Canada, but even overall, which is truly, truly impressive in a game involving Luka. Now, of course, the Luka aspect. So um, all game, Dylan Brooks and Luka are just getting into it, right? One-on-one. And, and none, none of, like, the extra stuff that, like, you know, it's not like Dylan Brooks is committing extra fouls or, like, stepping over him and, and like, you know, just... I think he, I think Luke uh, I think Dylan Brooks stayed on the right side of the line in this game for like the whole game. Did a really great job. On and on top of the fact that not only was Dylan Brooks giving an amazing effort, you know, guarding him, but Dylan Brooks was also giving you a lot offensively. I feel like this is a trend that is kind of underrated here. But Dylan Brooks gave you three assists. He gave you fourteen points, and he he was five of seven from the field. Like this is again another example of Dylan Brooks playing his role perfectly. A number of times today, you even saw Dylan Brooks turn down threes, which. I mean, honestly, at this point, Dylan's been shooting so well from the three. Um, I actually want him to shoot more of them, but ultimately, he's turning them down. He's looking for the next opportunities. That tells me that he's aware of sort of his responsibilities with this team, and he's looking to make the right play. And and I like his intentions uh, that he's demonstrating there. But Dylan giving you 14 points efficiently and him knocking down threes, like, it's just absolutely huge. Like, Slovenia was trying to make this run, and they started getting hot from three again, and they made, like, three straight threes. Lucas hit a step-back three. But you know what's more devastating than Luka hitting a step-back three over two defenders? Dylan Brooks hitting any threes, right? And Dylan Brooks hit a three, and that really cut into Slovenia's momentum. And and I think it was just Slovenia went under on a dribble handoff. And Dylan was just like, yeah, I got that. And he just knocked it down. And then he, he just, I, I don't know what he said. He must have said something real. But, like, he just he just kind of, like, talked a little, you know, smack to the defender. And it wasn't even Luka. It was just some other guy. And, uh... And then the referees just, they went to the timeout because, um, you know, whatever. Slovenia needs to call timeout. I will call timeout too after Dylan Brooks hits a three on me. Uh, they call timeout to, to, to regroup. And so the broadcast on Sportsnet, it, it, it cut to commercial. Um, but before they cut to commercial, you saw a lot of the, you know, Slovenians complaining and being like, oh, tech, tech, tech. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, they're complaining again. They've been complaining all game. And they come back from commercial, and you see Dylan Brooks just walking down the tunnel. I'm like, oh, my God, is he hurt? But no, he's not hurt. He just got ejected somehow during that group. So it was strange. I, I thought Dylan played it really well over the course of the game. I'm sure there's tons of trash talk that went on, but that's typical. Didn't commit any flagrant fouls. Actually stayed out of foul trouble, which I think was being huge. I've been begging for that, too. You know, Dylan Brooks, even though he was guarding Luca, only had one foul in the whole first half. You know, and that's huge. Like, Dylan has been forced to sit with two fouls in the first half pretty much every single game. And so, you know, the last two games here against Spain and against uh, Slovenia, when, when it's winter go home, he's been on his absolute best behavior. Uh, and then he got ejected. And so I, I'm not totally sure. Maybe the referees were just kind of fed up because, you know, I thought he was on the right side of history there. But, you know, whatever. It, 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 he gets ejected. And so you're worried. You're like, man, OK, all right. Well, why? Why, Dylan? Why did you do that? Um 
you know, why did the officials eject you? Again, he didn't have a prior tech. It wasn't like he, they slapped him with one tech. They just ejected him. And it wasn't no violent conduct or anything. So, okay, whatever. And, and you know he wasn't complaining at the referees because all he did was hit an open three and talk some trash to the defender like it's normal. You didn't even get up in his face or anything. You just said it while backpedaling. So it must have been something that he said. Um, and then you're like, all right, well, you're up 15 and uh, all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, you lose like one of your best players in Dylan Brooks, who's been contributing on both ends of the floor and Lucas still out there. And so what is Canada going to do now? First off, this is where the luxury comes in. Canada's like, all right, we don't have Dylan Brooks anymore. Here's another all defensive player. Here's Lou Dort, right? Like it, it is hilarious that Luca has to then contend against Lou. Um, now, I thought Lou was having a bad game. Um, you know, he just wasn't as impactful defensively um, as Dylan. And Dylan played a lot, which kind of kept Lou on the bench more in the first half. And then when Lou got into the game, there was a sequence in the end of the third quarter where Canada was really rolling. And Lou came in, uh, got open for three, but at the top. And it's like off the dribble. It's like, all right, you're open and the defense is sagging. But like, like they're trying to get you to shoot that three. He shoots that three, you know, with that super high arc and it just like short irons, barely grazes, no chance to really go in. Uh, you know, they go the other way and they hit a three. And then coming back down, Lou is like forced to make a play off the dribble and he drives into a crowd and charges a guy. And it's just like, and then meanwhile, the other side, Slovenia comes back and scores again. And so instead of Canada going to the fourth quarter with like, I don't know, a 15-point lead. It became like just a nine-point lead heading into the fourth quarter. And it was like, all right, that was basically just a record-stretched moment because Canada had been flowing offensively all game. It didn't even matter if they were missing shots. They were just creating great shots over and over again. And I felt like Lou came into the game, took those two bad possessions in a row, and allowed Slovenia to get momentum to finish the quarter, which is super important. Like, you need to finish quarter strong, and Canada didn't do that in that instance. And, and so, whatever, Lou got benched to start the fourth quarter, but then with Dylan gone, you have to bring Lou back into the game. First possession, Luca forces Dort into fouling him. Whatever. I, I thought it was just Lou playing good strength and body position, but they called a foul. Okay, whatever. Luca's been complaining all game. Already has a tech at this point. Then, going back the other way, they get the ball back, you know, surprise, surprise to Luca On the other side, he's trying to post up Lou Dort. And I'm thinking, like, all right, you post up Lou Dort, like, you're probably not going to get much position against him. You're not going to get closer to the basket. Now, you may be able to shoot over him because you're taller and you're bigger. But, you know, Lou's going to get in your space and contest that shot. So, I'm, I'm thinking, it's like, this is okay. Um, and, ultimately, Lou played great defense. Kept, you know... Stone Luca in the post, didn't give him any more position, and then kept his arm straight up as Luca shot a fadeaway falling over. And, you know, you know, Luca's not God. He just missed a shot. Like, it happens, right? He missed a shot against great defense, against a great defender, and Canada's looking to break the other way. And Luca, while on the ground, come, yells at the referee as he's running up the floor with the action. And the referee, maybe, who knows, maybe it was the same referee, but he just gave that technical foul to Luca, and he said, you're out of here. And, and I love that. I love that. You know what? Honestly, if you were, if, if the game had involved so much complaining from, from, you know, just overall the two parties, if it involved that much complaining and you say, all right, I'm going to eject Dylan Brooks for talking some trash, then I need to see you also eject Luka Doncic for complaining. Because the, over the course of this game, and I have so much respect for Luka's game. I love watching him. There's like the, the brilliance to his game that is really, you know, just unmatched. There's... Again, he's just like one of the best players in the world. There's nothing around it. But the amount of complaining and the misery that comes around him, it's like, all right, man, it, like enough is enough. Like, yeah, you got bumped a couple of times. Yeah, you got this and that. But it's like nonstop, man. Even the first tech that he took, 
That was a bad tactical foul given by the officials, not in the sense that he shouldn't have given it, but he should have waited to give it because Cano's on the fast break. He stopped the fast break by complaining for and gotten getting attacked. Like, that should be advantage. Cano runs out the possession, and you come back and you give him the attack afterwards. But, like, the he was complaining the whole game. The whole game. Offensively, he was complaining. Defensively, he was complaining. He's getting his ref, his teammates to complain. He was getting his head coach to complain. He's complaining that his head coach isn't complaining enough. Like, it's like... A, like what is this man like it's like a skit like what what's going on at one point again you know shouts to Donato Zarbonas for being on the ground and reporting this at one point he literally after getting a no call in his mind from the official did the money bribing thing you know the the, the move with your fingers to, to, in terms of the money right the money move he did that to the officials suggesting that the officials were being bribed and it's like Yo, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying the FIBA officials are, are perfect, they're amazing, but an official at any level, if they are literally, if a player in the game is accusing you of being on the take, how do you not eject them just on that alone? Like, where's your, you know what I mean? Like, the respect for the game has to be there a little bit more, right? Like, people get fined for saying that in the, in the podiums. Why do they get fined? Because it's a very, very serious thing you're saying, right? And whatever, I'm saying it's, it's a common complaint. I'm sure people make it all the time. When we're talking about the actual athletes in the game doing that, and you just let that slide, like, the amount of complaining was just over the top from Luka, man. And, and he wasn't even playing that great of a game. Like, like it was a good game. It was He stole Luka. But we're talking about 8 of 20 from the field, man. That's not because of the refs. You know what I mean? We're talking about, you know, bad pass turnovers, three turnovers. Like, that's, that's not because of the ref, right? We're talking about him not being in position defensively. That's not on the ref. That's on him. And, you know, honestly, it's like, I'm happy he did this because it allowed Cam to win. But to me, I'm also just like, man, if we just saw like an honest-to-goodness head-to-head matchup between Luka and Shea and them going back and forth, and we saw that for a lot of this game. Um, so I, I like that portion, but it's just, man, just seeing him complain, complain, complain. It's like not getting back on in transition, all that kind of stuff. It's just, ugh, uh, it's not the first time we've seen it. Like, obviously, the comparison is with Harden, and there's a lot of similarities in their games. But, like, man, Harden got killed for stuff like that, man. And, like, it annoys me in the same exact way uh, with Lucas. So, yeah. But, I mean, I'm happy because that actually helped Canada in this case. Because, uh, yeah, Canada overall, man, just played a great team game. I'm really happy for RJ Barrett. He was able to get downhill a lot. Again, like, you know, they just didn't have a lot of rim protection. So, that really allowed RJ to get downhill. But I realized over the course of watching this tournament, it's just, like, I kind of understand what it is about RJ Barrett that feels a little bit underwhelming. Um, and this is even after a good game, but I've still got this feeling where I'm, like, I'm watching, I'm like, it feels like RJ plays like he's 20% more athletic in his mind. And and he he plays bully ball or like going downhill, super aggressive, and I like that. But it's like a little bit extra aggressive as if he thinks that he's able to get to every single spot like a LeBron does. And a lot of the times he's not. There's not that final burst or that final you know, leap that gets him or that little bit of extra quickness that gets him to the spot. And so every shot just ends up being contested no matter what. And then the uncontested shots, he's just kind of okay at them, right? Like in terms of threes, for example, he's one for six. Now I think he's a better three point shooter than what he's shown so far in this tournament. But regardless, uh, I think this type of game plays a lot better when it's against a team like Slovenia where they have no rim protection, right? Like they, they just have no rim protection. RJ's able to get to the spots and then he's actually at effectively athletic as he is sort of in his interpretation of the game. But regardless, I, I do like the overall approach. Again, I think um, we're seeing, especially in, in this game, like more of a emphasis from 
uh, from Jordy to get uh, RJ to, you know, his spots. Like, a couple of things that are just really easy, right? Like, they got him coming off of curl, maybe coming off a dribble handoff, you know, going to his left hand and getting downhill. Like, that stuff like that is just makes sense for RJ's game. Um, him getting out in transition, I think that was the big part of his game. And he probably scored like six points at least in transition. That was a big part of his efficiency in this game. But yeah, overall, I like that. And I also like this rebounding too. Because the thing is like RJ is actually that big and that athletic when you're thinking about on a defensive end. So if you can apply it more towards things like rebounding, towards things like positioning on, on defense, uh, that's even better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought RJ's game was very effective today. 24 points. It was great to see. I love Nikhil coming in and it was a bit of shakiness at the end there. Like he missed an open three and he like had a lot of time to think about these two free free throws and missed both of those down the stretch as well. So, you know, like I wish he finished stronger, but over the course of the game, he played really well. Again, I love him as a, a secondary ball handler. So, you know, Canada can initiate offense in different ways. Uh, him knocking down threes. I like that he was confident, you know, not even just the corner threes where he set up, but threes at the top threes, you know, dribble handoff where Slovenia is going on. Like why is Slovenia going under so many screens? But um, yeah, Nikhil stepping into those and knocking them down again. I think I need him to do exactly this every single game, like 14 points in 25 minutes, efficient from three, three of six. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I just liked his game a lot. Good steals as well. I mean, the, again, like Luca wasn't trying to attack him much, but in the moments that he got switched onto him, I thought he did a good job against Luca. Um, I, I like that Jordy once again leaning to the small ball, so pretty much only wings on the floor. And the only way you're able to play that is if your guys aren't in foul trouble, right? And you need your five wings out there um, playing on a string. And I think just like against Spain, which that was the key halftime adjustment um, that allowed Canada to, to come back in that game. But him going to that small ball group with Luca on the floor, even without Luca on the floor, which actually I think was even a better time to use a small ball group, that really worked great. And the small ball group is Shea, it's Nikhil, it's Dylan Brooks, it's Lou Dort, uh, and then it's RJ Barrett. And... You know, depending on how RJ is going offensively, you can sub in Dwight Powell because I think Powell can do a lot of the same things, maybe even better defensively as as RJ. But yeah, like that that small ball group when they're able to switch a lot of actions, keep the ball in front, um, neutralize a lot of the off ball actions to get th- threes or even to create mismatches. Uh, Canada's done a good job of that, and I like that Jordy's been leaning into those lineups more. Used to here today, and again, a lot of that is contingent on the fact that. Okay, you want to play the small ball group. Well, then you need these switchable defenders to actually guard in switches to understand what the responsibilities are. And Nikhil has consistently stood out to me as a guy who isn't in, as in your face defensively as Dylan Brooks and Ludor, but he's right up there in terms of his on-ball defense. Um, and that's against guards or against wings. So he, he's been great in the course of this game. I like that he used Kyle Alexander um, in the first half as well. Just again, just it was very clear from Jordy what he wanted to do defensively. He wanted to, you know, just to switch against Luca. And if he got on, if you if you switched the pick and rolls against Luca, you need your bigs to be able to a handle a move on the switch, but also b once you have that switch, that big wasn't overplaying whether it was Dwight Powell or Kyle Alexander. He wasn't trying to like do too much against Luca. Mostly just trying to force him back towards where the double team is going to come from, which is essentially back from Luca's original defender most times. And again, it's nothing that Luca has never seen before, but I thought it worked really well and it worked better and better as the game went on. As, as he got more and more tired. Um, but I, I like Kyle just being in the game for some defensive um, purpose. I mean, he's 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 quick enough with his feet, and, and, and he actually offers some shot blocking in the front court, which I feel like Canada's really lacking in, but whatever, you can't have everything. Um, and then even Kelly Olenek, who, you know, continues to struggle offensively in terms of he's not really, like, um, 
knocking down all the shots and he's not racking up all the points. I mean, he was a plus 27 today, which is, you know, the best mark in the game. And it's not just because of him, but I think there's a spacing element that he definitely provides stretching a big out of the floor. But also I, I like that he just finds a way to like lean, fall over or something. He plays the referees way better than, 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 than Shay does. Shay just tries to play his game and he just ends up beating his guy over and over again. Um, and so he's not like leaning in for foul calls or any kind of kind of stuff. He's just looking to score. He's a pure, pure, pure score like that. Sh- like Kelly isn't a pure score, but he like leans, steps through, holds on the ball a little extra, and then like you know fades in. And like there's just all this kind of stuff that he does where he just always seems to get the right call at the right time, stop some momentum, and then knock in an occasional three. I mean, his role on the team hasn't been as prominent as maybe we expected. But I think other guys have been so good that, you know, it's been nice seeing Kelly fall back into a position where he can chip in here or there and really use his his craft and his IQ and his guile to, to get advantages. So I'm enjoying watching his game as well. And then, yeah, credit to Dwight Powell as well, man. This guy played 23 minutes, never touched the ball once, literally zero field goal attempts, <laughs> zero foul attempts. But he just was doing a good job of fighting on defense and all he really was getting roasted or he was getting roasted a lot in the first half, but I appreciate that, uh, you know, he was in it for the fight and those, those tap outs at uh, at the end of the fourth quarter was, was really great. And that alongside of Shea's rebounding and Shea's playmaking really did break the backs of the Slovenians who they fought really well, man. I mean, like I thought Luca played like probably for him, like a, like a C game, C level game, but other guys kind of stepped up, you know, Prepolich, um, you know, definitely going to be a Gerald Henderson or winner, but like 22 points off the bench. He was awesome. Other guys were just hitting threes. Zoran Dragic, fearless going to the basket. Like, you know, I respect their, their team and, and what they try to do out there, but ultimately Canada had the, the better squad. And even, you know, if, if Slovenia was going to win this game, you needed Luka to be super, super amazing. And he just wasn't. And Shea played him. And then Luka got ejected. So, uh, yeah, Canada is now through to the semifinals. And um, that... It, it's very unfortunate. So Dan Shulman said at the end of the broadcast, and, and he's right, obviously, but like Canada's going to be playing that semifinal game at 4.45 a.m. Um, Eastern time. Um, the prime time slot, which I guess will be probably 8.30 a.m. Eastern, will be going to Team USA. They're playing the other semifinals matchup. If they both win, it will be a Canada-USA final, which would be amazing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, Canada is getting second billing on that one. So we're the warm up back at 4.45 a.m. So I would love to hear what your strategies are as a, as a Toronto resident or maybe even just as an Eastern time zone resident. Like, are you going to be staying up all night and watching this game? Or are you going to be waking up super, super early and disrupting your sleep to wake up to, for this game? Obviously, we're going to be there no matter what. But I, I need to know, what's the better strategy here? Should I stay up all night? Like, it's I'm pulling a, you know all-nighter studying and cramming for a final exam or should I uh, sacrifice pretty much all Thursday night to just go to sleep at like 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. and then wake up at 4.45 a.m. to cover this game. But regardless, I will be there. Canada will be playing... uh, They will be playing uh, Serbia uh, who, you know, advanced. They've been playing great. Bogdan Bogdanovic had one really off game and he got benched oddly, but he's been excellent in the uh, quarterfinal and also... Uh, to, to get them to this point. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm it, just thinking about that game. I mean, like, so Serbia is a very similar team to Slovenia in the sense that they have a lot of shooters, um, you know, guys play physical as well. But, you know, a lot of it's going to be coming down to Bogdanovic. And if we can stick Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort on him, 
Uh, it could cut off a lot of their offense, you know, so we'll see. Um, I think I'm loving the way that Canada has competed. And I think the closer and the closer they get to this tournament and, and to, to, you know, they got the Olympic qualifying out of the system now so they can play a lot more free. And yeah, I mean, it, I anticipate a matchup pretty similar to this one. Uh, and if Canada can, you know, contribute and, and press their advantages in the same way, play out in transition, you know, close out on the three-point line. Their three-point defense can still use a little bit more togetherness. I think defensively, they got to communicate a little bit better so that they don't allow any three-point attempts um, to to some of their great shooters. Like I thought some of Slovenia's advantages today were just the fact that, you know, Canada defensively in the first half especially, they weren't communicating well enough and they weren't switching well enough uh, that they allowed some three-pointers to stay open. And so, you know, you, you, if you can corral that a little bit more, meanwhile, you put Dylan Brooks and uh, Lou Dort on Bogdanovich, you should have a good, you know, Canada will be favorites going to that one as well, is what I'm trying to say. So, uh, fingers crossed, we'll see. But uh, it's been a great run so far. Canada is into the semifinals. And, uh, yeah, once again, you know, those are your three stars. Your first star, Shea Gilgis Alexander. I feel like we could just like put them there in pen. Like he's just been so damn good this whole tournament. Like it's absurd, man. And it's just fun watching him, man. He's the way he's smooth. He's, he's, he just glides. Like, obviously I wasn't around for, you know, you know, the eighties when people were like talking about like, or like Dr. J and like all the kind of things that he was doing and whatever. He's not like Dr. J like Dr. J was like dunking the ball and everything. Shea rarely dunks. Well, not rarely. He, he just, it's not the main part of his game. But there's like the when they talked about Doctor Two, they were always talking about like him being smooth and like him getting to all these spots and the way he moved was like fun. And there's certain athletes where it's like it doesn't like it happens a lot more in soccer where it's like the way they move is already just fun to watch. Not necessarily even in the end product of like finding the pass or like finding the the the, the, the opportunity to score. But the way Shape moves is just fun to watch, man. Like he's he's strong, he's long, but he's also able to like shift in every different direction. Like it's. Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know, ask anybody that's been covering Shea over the course of this tournament. They'll, they'll tell you because he's literally cooked everybody, every single game he's cooked, except for that Brazil game. And even that game, he was really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, 31 points on 8 of 12 shooting, 7 of 8 from the two-point range. And again, most of these are like step-back jumpers. Um, you know, 1 of 4 from 3, 14 of 16 from the foul line, 10 rebounds, including 3 offensive. That leads the team. By the way, our, Shea's rebounding is really huge for this team. Um, just because I don't feel like Canada's front court is actually that good at rebounding, but they are doing a good job of boxing out and then letting their tall wings come in and get the, you know, the boards. And so Shea has been a huge part of that. I wouldn't be surprised if Shea's leading the team in rebounding, honestly, but yeah, 10 rebounds, four assists plays 36 minutes out of 40 in this game. So that's huge. Hopefully we got to keep an eye a little bit, at least on his usage, but honestly, we're talking about if they win two more games, they win the tournament. So I'm sure Shea knows that the finish line is there. You got a little more energy from that. And then, yeah, two steals as well. Just awesome. Awesome performance from Shea. Uh, your second star, I'll, I'll give it to RJ. I'll give it to RJ. Like, this is definitely, I mean, there's actually, no, nah, no, nah, actually, I'm going to give it to Dylan Brooks. Look, before getting ejected, this is a perf- another perfect Dylan Brooks game. Like, it wasn't, like, so in your face with, like, 22 points, but 14 points, 5 of 7 shooting, 2 of 2 from the uh, um, the, the mid-range. Um, three of five from three, split a pair of free throws, three rebounds, three assists, avoided foul trouble in the first half. That allowed him to be, be even more aggressive in the second half and whatever, he got ejected. One of those, he got four personal fouls, but one of them 
one of them was on a tech, I guess, because for, for him getting ejected. So he was actually out of foul trouble this whole game. Did a really great job frustrating Luca. You know, put a lot of pressure on him the whole time. He was efficient with his offense. And, you know, credit to Jordy, too, because I think he realized it. And he was even trying to reward um, Dylan. One of the timeouts, what you got to hear, he actually drew up the play for Dylan to attack. And I think it was like they, they call, he drew up like a wedge screen or whatever for essentially for Dylan to get a step going downhill with a def- with a defender setting the screen, giving him a little bit of an angle so that he could uh, you know drive. It wasn't like a typical th- uh, screen at the top; it was more in in the in the lane almost. But it allowed Dylan to get downhill, and the play was executed really well. And Dylan actually got to a spot uh, for a little short five foot uh, jumper. And whatever, I'm not saying that I want to see five foot jumpers be a huge staple of the offense for Dylan Brooks or for Team Canada, but at the same time that's a coach rewarding his player for playing the game perfectly for him um, and giving him an opportunity. And Dylan Brooks scored on that. So yeah, Dylan was awesome in this game. I still don't fully know why he got ejected, but I'm sure, you know, that will be revealed in the media sessions, all that kind of stuff. Your third star is RJ Barrett though. 24 points, nine of 22 shooting from the field, eight of 16 from the, the, the two point range, one of six from three. That's got to improve five of five from the foul line though. Nine rebounds. I like that a lot. Uh, one assist, uh, one steal. I, I just like the opportunities where again, if he's able to get on transition, if he's able to get downhill against teams without, you know, true rim protection, RJ is going to look good. If he doesn't, then he's going to look real awkward. This game definitely favored RJ, though, and he, and he did deliver. So credit to RJ Barrett. He's your third star. Your Gerald Henderson Award winner, like I mentioned earlier, is uh, Clement Prepelich. Um, yeah, he was awesome, man. He was just awesome. I mean, definitely a great three-point shooter, but... You know, he was even getting downhill in front of N1 over Dwight Powell as well, which is not easy. Um, 22 points in 27 minutes off the bench. Yeah, he was awesome. And uh, he was kind of the secondary scoring with Luka. Um, obviously leading the way. The Luka-less lineups, I think they actually did better than the Luka-led lineups. Like, Luka was, what, uh, minus 12 on the court, and Slovenia lost by 11. So that means that the Luka... List lineups actually won the game by one point, won their minutes by one point, which is what at least 11 minutes in this game. Yeah, 11 minutes of the game without Luke on the floor. They actually did, they were plus one. Meanwhile, with Luke on the floor, they were minus 12. So the Luca list lineups were actually winning, and a lot of that was because of Prepolich. So credit to him. Probably not see him again for a long time, but uh, you know, maybe next time I see Slovenia, I'll keep an eye out for him. So yeah, Canada wins once again, and uh, yeah, we will see. Um, we will see sort of how this goes, um, but you know, 4:45 a.m. on Friday, uh, Eastern Time, you gotta wake up for it. I mean, listen, this is one of those things where, like, if you're on the West Coast, like, I would just stay up overnight for it, right? Like, the games at 2 a.m. Whatever, I stay up to 2 a.m. You know, on an unhealthy amount, I could do that. Uh, if I'm out on like, you know, the East Coast, if I'm in the Maritime provinces, depending on sort of where you are, it's like, all right, perfect. I can just wake up for it. It's an early wake up, but like, I can wake up for like 5:45 a.m. There's no problem for that. Eastern, that's perfectly in the wrong spot of like, I, I don't know. I'd love to hear your advice. What are you going to do to watch this game? But I know I will be watching this game on Friday. And uh, Canada, two more wins. They can win the World Cup. Two more wins and they win the World Cup. That's such an amazing feeling. But in the meantime, uh, you know, we, we will sort of go one by one. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We'll have lots more Canada basketball coverage. Raptors-wise, there's a little Raptors news, so maybe I'll put together something for a Thursday podcast. Half Canada basketball, half, uh, you know, Raptors, you know, you know your, your combination plate kind of situation. But, yeah, I mean, 
aside from that, I'm just mostly focused on the World Cup. So thanks everyone for listening. Rate, review, subscribe to the Raptor Show where we listen to the program and uh, stay tuned.